Terry Noble and this is the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's largest provider of interim management services. The energy and utility sector is in the middle of significant change. Consumer demand for a more sustainable energy, a political agenda increasingly focused on climate change and mounting pressure from Ofgem is driving the transition to renewable energy. In fact, last year, renewable energy sources provided more electricity to UK homes and businesses than fossil fuels for the first time ever. For your average consumer, the shift to renewable energy is likely to produce vague images of wind farms, solar panels and electric cars. However, over the next decade, the changes in the UK utilities and wider energy landscape will be more dramatic. Importantly, it will also mean a huge change in the types of roles and assignments utility firms recruit for at a senior level. So I'm joined by my colleague Jonathan Risotto, a clean tech and energy consultant in our search business, to talk about how the utility sector is going to develop over the next decade. Jonathan, welcome to the Interim Leader. Terry, good to be here. We should probably start by talking about what's currently happening in the UK energy and utility sector. There are obviously some significant changes. It's been, in my opinion, an incredibly tough period. But what what are your thoughts? I think you're right. I think um, there's a big change happening in the sector with a significant transition into the renewable market. And uh, that's probably led by, for example, tighter regulation, which I think you've come across already with some clients. Certainly. uh, Talk about energy supply distribution. Uh, I think the, the energy distribution world will have regulatory challenges later this year. If you look at the water industry, they've come through a or going through a particularly tough regulatory uh, period. Um, the, I think the for me, the the collaboration between policymakers, regulators, the, the, the organisations, businesses themselves, uh, and the innovation which is happening mm. in the sector, that collaboration is key for any uh, future success. Um, with regards to some of those market disruptors, how do you think that's going to impact the market moving forward? Well, I think if we look back over the last few years, there's been a mixture of success and unfortunately some struggles because, you know, you've talked about all of the different suppliers out there who've unfortunately folded in the last 12 to 18 months, particularly in the energy supply side. And uh, the few that are making it are diversifying the asset portfolio of what they do. So people like Octopus Investments, which have done, you would argue, quite well. Um, Ovo, Bulb, I mean, yet to be seen, but at least they're taking a different in my opinion, more e-commerce approach to the market, which is quite interesting. Um, but, you know, I think consumer demand is the key and we're getting towards a position where people care about the Greta Thunberg effect, which means we're moving towards less fossil fuel utility spread and more people saying, I want some of my electricity to be green. I agree. And I think we're seeing that even in, or I say even even that with oil and gas clients, mm. the, the world of oil and gas is changing. We're seeing clients diversify into offshore wind uh, and various other um, uh, various other spaces, including construction and infrastructure. Uh, we're seeing that on a global scale as well. So the, the diversification of these organisations is happening across the board. Um, that leads nicely into uh, what's going to change the in, in the infrastructure in the UK over the next five to ten years. I think there's going to be a number of significant changes. I mean, certain clients of ours have talked about the fact that they're moving much more towards a a renewable technology energy model. Um, You and I have spoken in the past about EV charging infrastructure as being a pretty key change, which frankly is needed. I mean, if we look at some of our colleagues in countries like Germany, you know, the actual span that an electric car or vehicle can drive at this point is just not enough and they don't have enough infrastructure to take them across the country. So it's got to happen. 
I think that will be the the visual significant change we'll see for for the 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 individuals on the streets you know we will see a lot more charging points mm. uh the the forecourts um will will have to change uh people will be at service stations and and, and fuel stations for a lot longer you you will have to charge your vehicle for 20 to 30 minutes mm. uh, i can't see that huge leap where that will come down significantly uh so the the way in which we move around the country is going to have to change so the, that I think is really exciting. The challenge being um, is the the real challenge is when we're not going to have that Kodak moment. I do think the the transition to uh, electric vehicles will happen much sooner, um, but how soon? I think is the the big question. There are still, as you said, a lot of challenges in that environment. But if we talk about you know some of the big suppliers, the idea of the four courts. How do you think that's all going to interplay? Because you've obviously got modular homes now. You've got a lot of areas where you can develop kind of efficient energy solution. But how do you think you can all play that into a consumer's bill at the end of the month? As an example, um, I'm not sure we've got any clients out there that are this far ahead yet. But if you can take your vehicle from London down to Cornwall, mm. stop off uh, twice to, to charge your vehicle up, have dinner, go out for dinner again when you get to the destination, do exactly the same on the way back charge your car up at home and all of that goes on to a monthly utility bill that i see is something that could happen in the future also using that vehicle as a, a charging point in the home we will have microgrids yeah. uh, i've got solar panels at home um, if we can use solar panels to to power our, our home in daylight hours and have battery storage off peak tariffs are already available there's a lot of um, those changes which are going to make the way in which we use energy vastly different in the future with regards to some of the stuff you've been involved in on the clean tech side how does all that play into to some of the changes you're seeing so if i talk about the things that you've mentioned already i think one of the biggest changes is the development of multiple platforms particularly software platforms that will change the way that we interact as individuals with the grid uh, and that means that for example at a very basic level if we're talking about your energy home of the future in theory you'll have your car charging plugged up at your house overnight uh, and your energy supplier may say with the use of an aggregator that they have a platform that allows you to download off the charge of your battery during the night so that they can get a certain price back to you so you save money on a monthly basis off of your energy bill by feeding back into the grid um, and then you find your car is freshly charged up in the morning for you to still use and do your drive but the benefit is at the end of the month you pay less so this is part of the ideas that I think are coming out in this sector at the moment. As we've already discussed, we're in an incredibly disruptive market. Where's the smart money going, Jonathan? Yeah, I think that is really the big question. Look, the last 12, 18 months, having gone out to the market and spoken to a number of what I would call private equity infrastructure investors, the world has clearly been moving towards more and more infrastructure investment because of what is a stronger capital return, and particularly when we consider the interest rates we get from banks nowadays. So there is definitely a lot more money going into uh, things such as onshore and offshore wind, solar PV because of the low capex, reasonably strong return, uh, and the fact that you don't get fluctuation in the asset. Um, and I think there will be a continuation of this into other areas like hydrogen if we can get over some of the safety risks associated with that. Will it be led by the investors or the consumer? Oh yeah, that's a tough question. I think um, 
you know, you and I as consumers, we are under a certain level of personal pressure, even perhaps within peer groups to start choosing options that are slightly greener. Um, you get a lot pushed in your face nowadays in the press and I think politically. Um, but being honest, a lot of major private wealth and shareholders are now looking for stronger uh, statements in the market around your interest in investing in more renewable energies and carbon or sorry net zero options and uh, and i think that's where the pressure is coming from is really from the investor community there is a reason why people like blackrock have obviously come to the table and mentioned that they've joined one of the largest sustainability investment groups agreed given both of our job roles here at odges uh, we should probably talk about talent in the sector yes yeah. uh, where's the future talent coming from what trends are you seeing uh, and what kinds of people are going to be needed in this in this disruption as we move forward? Well, I think you and I have started to see the same things really with a bunch of the clients that we work with. But one of the big ones is that some of the large suppliers, particularly on the energy side, I think are with the power of IoT, Internet of Things, so to speak, we're moving towards consumer technology companies. And so there is much more of a stronger bent on looking for people who come from uh, considerable tech business that are used to selling something that is an, not an off-the-shelf solution, let's say, to you and I versus coming from a traditional competitor, which might have been the case, I'd say, five to ten years ago for certain, at least in the supplier market. Again, I agree. Uh, I think it's um, there's a balancing act. You yeah. definitely need the, the yeah. traditional skill sets. Of sure. um, we're certainly seeing um, people moving from the automotive industry across into energy. Yes, uh, yeah. Same, we've moved people from the automotive, automotive industry across um into the water industry with Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt background. So there's a lot more um, there's a lot more cross sector roles coming mm -hmm. up. But I think the key is always going to be balance across those teams. I also think your your point around technology is going to be uh, is going to be fascinating. Um, will the energy companies of the future be more of a technology based company, or do you see them still being heavy asset based companies? I think we're going to move away from assets. Um, I think there will be a mixture of private equity investment that owns the asset. And I don't know whether we move towards even a leasing model, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, but I know that at least in the uh, kind of, let's call it the talent market, as you were speaking about, when it comes to the big physical offshore assets, I think you've seen quite a bit of movement as well from oil and gas into into wind, haven't you? Indeed. Yes, we've seen uh, offshore wind has taken a lot of people from the oil and gas sector. Mm. Um, there's also, I think there'll be stages. We'll, you know, there's, there are going to be a great deal of M and A type assignments uh, over the next twelve eighteen months. I think the the technology uh, angle, the the chief technology officers, etc., of the future in these companies are probably a little way off yet. We'll, we'll still stick yeah. to the more traditional model, um, but I do think that we we are having to think a lot harder uh, and discuss these challenges with our clients a lot more um, to get the talent for the for these companies to be prepared for the future yeah i definitely see the advent of the cpo and not the chief procurement officer but the chief product officer i think that drive on product particularly around the technology to the consumer interface is something that is happening in some of the startups and i have seen it but i'm expecting it to start happening in the bigger companies just as you've said it depends on how quickly they get on board with the change agreed i think that we've covered everything here today jonathan uh, thank you for coming in look thank you for having me thank you to everyone who has joined us for this episode of the interim leader if you have enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe and follow for more insights from our network of consultants, clients and interim managers.